Alrighty, hi everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Banter. Again, look at us three weeks in a row. Like <laughs> that's a big deal. I was about to say, like, properly recording week to week again. Hello, Yay. welcome back to a properly recorded week to week. This might be why I can't do my HelloFresh commercial because oh. we're not consistent. This could be why. Oh, okay. Well, we'll work on it. We're going to be consistent <laughs> now. We want our. <laughs> We want our HelloFresh because actually the episode that went up today is where you talked about that. I know. I was just listening to it. That's why I was like, okay, the yep. HelloFresh one, I heard it. I need to work on it. So yep. it will be a workshop and then <laughs> workshop. better <laughs> We're <workshopping>. executed. <laughs> Maybe I'll write a script. There you go. But there you go. How was your weekend? Good. We actually went to the um, that big gala that they were doing for Ukraine. Um, the Reunited in Dance Gala. It was at the Seagerstrom this weekend. And so uh, Chris and I and his father went. And yeah, to see like, I mean, Christine Shevchenko was in it. Joy Womack was in it. The whole thing was put together by um, Xander Parrish. So like it was, I don't know, it was really cool. Lots of, lots you of nice. feel inspired? Dancers. Yeah, I did. It was lovely to see, I don't know, all these dancers that had to flee Russia. And here, like, there was a little video at the start that was talking about how and it sounded like, I mean, <laughs> terrible as it sounds, it sounded like World War II, like we had to leave overnight. Pack a suitcase, go. Like, the fact that it's 2022 and these poor dancers had to, like, flee the country overnight, leave all their possessions just to, like, get out and be on a bus for 12. I mean, it's just, it sounds archaic, but they did it. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not to be like political on our pot or anything, but like how Russia's just like gonna they literally yeah, that's what was they they were pulling a world war two they're they are pulling a world war two or trying to, yeah, like it's crazy that that is still happening, and like they didn't know where they were gonna go, they didn't know like it, like anything, let alone where they're gonna dance or work, but just like if they were gonna survive, like it's crazy, so I don't know, it was a really lovely evening at the Siegerstrom concert hall, like where the symphony play it was it was just lovely so nice. and then the rest of the weekend was nutcracker rehearsal so very typical typical yeah did you have to do any of your own rehearsals for your sugar plum your solo rehearsals my solo rehearsals allowed since coming the end of the month george and i still are trying to figure it out i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be what it's gonna be at this point um but i you know as we've talked about many times on here i thrive on that so it'll be fine at least it's it's something that's like in your bones. And I think that makes it so much easier to pass around. Yeah, like, exactly. Just jump in with other people if it's all the same. Yeah. How about you? Uh, it's been good. My weekend started on Sunday. We swapped to Tuesday through Saturday schedule. So oh. um, Sunday was my first day off. And me and Caitlin drove two hours to Ironton, Ohio. I may or may not nowhere. have seen this on Instagram. <laughs> uh, it is by math addicts so there's a lot of missing teeth but it's a very cute little town that does this annual wizard fest thing this like unofficial amazing harry potter weekend and in ironton they just happen to have a whole street full of empty street front like storefronts wow so that says something about where we went uh-huh um that they fill up then for this festival with things so they had like one empty street front was the potions classroom and transfiguration classroom and then they have their like community center turn into like great hall yule ball kind of thing so it's like white lights everywhere and everything oh and how stuff. cute bunch of vendors are out front like in different tents and everything and then we went last year for the first time it was the first one after covid so it was a little more restrictive we were everything was outside then and it was smaller but this year we, we we went into this bar that's there that they renamed themselves the Two Beaters instead of, you know, like from Quidditch. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they themed the whole inside great. And they they, they used their downstairs basement and did like the Slytherin dungeon common room. And then they also did like the Hufflepuff common room by like the kitchen downstairs. And then upstairs was the Gryffindor common room, Alpost, Ravenclaw common room. And we just, we like had some butter beers and some fire whiskey drinks. It was just a fun little like few hours day adventure. We dressed up wizarding themed at least. Um, yeah. So Caitlin dressed as like 
Hagrid in her like brown trench coat Aww. and everything else with her umbrella. Cute. Um, and then I just wore my like uh my Harry Potter like R knit hand knitted sweater uh-huh. and stuff. Um oh they have like the blue car out in the middle of the street as well. Oh the blued uh yeah. Ford Ang- Angular, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so we were taking photos by this car, and all of a sudden I hear yelling, Run Weasley, where have you been? Or whatever. Like, because it's not a British accent, I can't do I can't do accents, but I just hear it being yelled, and I'm like, what is happening around me? And then someone comes walking up towards me, full Mrs. Weasley, like LARPing status outfit with a Mr. Weasley beside her and my face just completely drops like in shock I I've never associated myself as like a Weasley or a Ron Weasley or anything but I was wearing the Ron Weasley sweater I guess but I right. used the R for Rollupson obviously because my last name right um and I was just like what is happening and Caitlin thought she was she thought she started filming and then she missed it um <gasps> sadly but it was just like this whole thing people were like looking at us it was like a whole scene she was yelling at me where have you been oh my how gosh dare you take your, like quoting quoting the lines how dare you take your father's car like this he is now like having an inquiry at the at the ministry and I was just like what is happening <laughs> um so it was what? fun and it was like it was so random. Uh we made it we made her redo it afterwards so we could film it. Um oh my gosh. And then at one point she threw us like a, a rat at me, like scabbers. Uh it was just it was it was and then we kept on seeing them throughout the whole we were up in like the Gryffindor common room sitting there drinking, and then they came up with their like drinks and food and we started talking to them and we were and I guess they like do this a lot. Oh like, my goodness. Are, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley around the country. And they were showing us photos of all these things that they've done as it, like they they have their own blue Ford car that actually drives. Oh uh, my they gosh. Said, they were showing us photos with like the actor who plays Percy and the one that plays uh, Jenny uh, and, and, and all this different thing from all the different like uh, cosplay events they've gone to. Wow. Um, and then they were telling us about he restarted. So I guess in the beginning of Wizarding World in Orlando, the last weekend of January, there was always a, hella, uh, a Harry Potter celebration. Mm. And so now that stopped after like 2018, I guess. <laughs> and so now he has created this group that has started this, the unofficial Harry Potter celebration. Oh, at the, cute. the same weekend, he's like, uh, he was explaining to us, he goes, we have like a few hundred people show up. We go wow. in the park. We we're doing events. Everyone's co- like cosplayed, dressed up for like LARPing, and I was like, oh, I mean, I guess like I was like, yeah, you can dress up in Universal. You're allowed to like at Disney. You can't wear costumes in the park, right? And they're like, oh yeah, the security. They talk about us beforehand. It's all set up. It's a pr- like they know about us. We're unofficial, official. They're like the biggest thing is we have to tell them we're not associated with with like Universal when we're in the park, and they can't take alleged photos with muggles walking around um which wow. is fine so but they said that then they turn us photos of them in the hogwarts castle like in the line and stuff they have set up for like the uh forbidden journey to you know the harry potter ride there yeah uh they were showing us photos of them with their like friend that's dumbledore and everything like in dumbledore's office and they're like no we get like some special things sometimes the car- the the crew's kind of like hey come over here. We're, we're going to take some photos and show you this area and give oh you this tour. Goodness. And they're like, so if you guys want to come, it's the end of January. You should like, you know, it'd be great. Maybe, wow. maybe wow. We, we looked at our calendar. We might do a day trip. So if you're free you the last weekend of January, Katie, I will look at my calendar. Oh my gosh. Fly That's out so Saturday cool. night, spend the day Sunday there, fly back Monday morning. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is super First of all, involved. Second of all, that's good for them. Like good for them. Right? Like that's that's dedication. Honestly, we we think they live in like the recreation of the of the borough. Probably We're pretty sure because they kept on saying, "I was like, well, where are you guys from?" Oh, like you know the borough. No, like we like literally live in the borough. And I'm like, okay. Oh wow. I'm, I'm a little okay. So that was my weekend, and then today's just the day off. So it's just a bunch of get around the house kind of thing 
I saw you what? put a photo of you in front of your, like on Instagram. You're like, get a pool, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Right? <laughs> this pool, pool has been amazing. We have not been able to use it because it was done in the fall because yeah. um, they pushed us forward in the schedule. This pool is stressing me out, uh, <laughs> but I'm just worried I'm going to break it and it costs way too much to break. Um, and so t- because they had to like, we had the pool put in and then we had to destroy the yard. So then we had to like redo the yard and we had to put the papers in around the pool and everything. So like the pool itself has like junk in it that we're trying to get, we have to get out before we close it. And today is 38 degrees outside. So I'm outside vacuuming this pool, trying to get all the (laughs) dirt and dust out before we like officially have them come out and close it up for the winter. And something about like the pump is not flowing like it should or something. I'm like, this is, I, they need to come out soon. I don't, uh, yes. The pool is, ha- once it's closed up for winter, we'll be perfect until spring <laughs> because they, they give you like quote unquote pool school after they put it in. Like, oh, this is how like you start your filter. This is how you clean it. This is how you, whatever. But yeah. it's all like stuff that if everything's going well and you're using it normally and there's not a construction site beside it, getting rocks and dirt in there and then fall leaves in the pool and everything. So it's like, I'm trying to troubleshoot something that I don't know. It's not normal. Um, like yeah. the pool school tells me like in the summer how to run it. Yeah. What about now? Right. Our new house has a pool too. And Chris called the guy this morning because, you know, California, we can keep our pool going, I guess. But we haven't used it yet and it's like turning green. So he's like, I think yeah. we should call the pool guy. I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. He I didn't know you had a pool in yours too. Yeah. We do, we do. It's oh, smaller, fun. which is nice because we don't need a big one. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's I mean it's California, so it'll be perfect. And you know me, I'll probably end up doing like bar in the pool, and I'll probably do a video on it. Like <laughs> I can see it already. <laughs> like, but it would be great though. Right? That's like, but we used to have to do that in National Ballet of Canada. Oh, it was one of our like weekly classes twice a week for that summer course up there was like pool where we had to wear our swim caps and all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard. And I was like, this is so degrading because you can't cheat. I yeah. had no turnout because I used the floor and I was like, this is miserable. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, that's, I get the pool thing. Well, that's why we're like, no, we're calling the pool guy. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. That's something we will gladly pay for and not have to do ourselves. It's not that bad, I don't think, but it's just that it's the start of the season and end of the season is yeah. when they're going to come out to open it up and close it and stuff. Cause ours is about to turn into like what yours is a pond. So that's just having enough shock and chlorine in it to make sure it and the filter system going. And like, we've never had a pool, so we're clueless. Yeah. Same, same. And we're in Columbus. I'm like, what the <laughs> so the pool guys also come randomly. I'm like, we say come, come over and I, we, we don't know when they're going to show up. At least, oh. at least in California, I feel they're like, Regular. Everyone has one. Yeah. 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 No. I think so. That's been that's been our week and stuff. Right now I'm actually multitasking and sewing a pair of point shoes while we record this podcast because I've got to multitask with everything I got going on. So but I can still concentrate because it's mindless. Um so tell us, Sean, do you have any stories for the week? Okay, so I have a couple. <laughs> so that may or may not have been a leading question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I told one story, the Harry, my Harry Potter life yeah. story so far. Yeah. Um, but then today I got a text from Chris Wielden and it was literally, oh my God, I'm mortified. How am I just seeing this one message, this one text now, months later, months later? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's, you're a busy, busy man. Like, yeah, you're kind of important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obvious, like, obviously, I thought nothing of missing the text that I sent because I sent it right in the middle of like MJ opening and now over in UK doing MJ and everything else and who knows what else is on his plate because Chris is always working right and it was literally like uh how am I just seeing this message now of course you and Katie are approved to do after the rain for your gala even though I think it sounds like that ship has passed because the dates you wrote (laughs) just a little Um, bit I'm so sorry please tell Katie like, I did not mean to. Like, I love her and it's fine. And it was, I was like, I'm actually, I'm talking to her tonight because <laughs> we're going to record our podcast. Um, and, and I was like, can we? And I, I literally wrote back the message and I go, can we rain check 
the after the rain approval for another gala? He's like, yes, of course, anytime. Oh. We asked to do rain for your Alabama gala. So yeah. that would have been in the summer. Right. So it's months. months. Well, and it's fine. And it's funny because literally I've had like texts from then to now with yeah. him. And I just assume like it was either being nice, not approving us to do it, even though I just did it here. Yeah. Or just like too busy and missed it. Like we all do that. Like you miss a tax or you ask the next one. I do feel like we asked him literally like the week his musical was premiering. So it was yeah. probably not our best timing. So sorry, Chris, if you're listening. But we really appreciate it. And Sean and I would love to do After the Rain. So next time, Sean. Next time. Yeah. So now we have approval for our next gala that needs us to do something slow and romantic. We'll, we can do After the Rain. Oh, I, I would love to do that ballet. Because it's also on flat. Yeah. yeah. It is. But I'm going to have to be like, oh. It's flat, but I don't have to be shirtless. I want to do it like when I'm like feeling myself. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Nope. I get um, it. Mm-hmm. But it will be nice. It will be nice to have options to mix things up. Yes. And we still need so, to get diamonds. We have to get diamonds approved, and we have two other ones that we would like to get approved. Yes. So, yeah, it's just. So That's yeah, really we have another cute, gala. though. But, right? He was like, I got, it was like, um, what did he, he said? Oh, he, like, he was uh, texting me because he saw like the Harry Potter photos or whatever. Yeah. I was like asking me about that because he's like overworking overseas again for like the Royal or something. Yeah. Um, but it was just funny that I was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't see this. <laughs> of course. Tell Katie, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and I was like, you are one of the hardest working, busy, yeah. busiest man in the arts industry right now. Like me and it's Katie's okay. like side hustle <laughs> guesting is the least of your worries in life. So let's be really clear on the priority list where that ra- that random text message to my friend, hey, can I do your ballet, sits in the lineup of life. I have a musical premiering on Broadway. Yeah, exactly. Well, and <laughs> he's also, we should say, one of the nicest guys. I love Chris Wilden. I think he's oh, a doll. So sweet. He's a doll. So yeah. sweet. Um, so it's oh. nice to see when like super sweet people are successful. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. He's really awesome. So, no, love working with him. Glad to have a friendship. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yep. Just funny. So, I was like, oh, when he's like, tell Kate, I was like, I was like, I'm going to talk about us in the pod. Oh, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But when you said we can do after the rain whatever we want, I was like, yay. (laughs) Because that was actually in the gala on Saturday. And I was sitting there going, oh, yeah, this is a great ballet. It's so pretty. Like with all the flashy mm-hmm. Russian stuff, I would say they probably got one of the loudest applauses because it's just so it's so not the typical Russian classical, you know, that sort of thing. Because um, they wanted to bring a lot of those classics to this gala to still honor that yep. tradition of ballet, but it, they got a huge round of applause because it's such a beautiful piece. So it, and it's so great to do out of context because mm-hmm. it's it part of actually well. a full yeah a full ballet i've done the full version of after the rain yeah and i did the second couple um because yeah. it's three couples in the full version and the first 11 minutes is everyone mainly the first two couples mm-hmm. that on point shoes and it, it my my couple was the fast and furious throw around couple and then yeah. it leads into like I guess where that's the storm. Like yeah. the first section is the storm, and then the second one is the the, the main pod that everyone knows, which is after the rain. So that's why it's pink and sunsetty and yeah. And actually, I think if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, a long time ago or a couple years ago, New York City Ballet filmed Maria and Ask. I think it was doing it as a tribute to nine eleven. They were on a rooftop somewhere. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the whole thing. It was like three and a half minutes of it. But that and that video went viral. So if anybody has seen that, yeah. um, that's the potato we are talking about. Um, I have a couple of stories from people. I just have to oh, find okay. them. Um, one. Oh, wait, I have another story oh, too. Please. So on the drive. Okay. Only because you talked about writing in stories. And so then I was thinking of where I got the idea from. Yes, I fully stole this idea of writing stories for my favorite murder. No shame. Um, Great. But in return, me and 
Caitlin were listening to My Favorite Murder when we were driving back from WizFest to Columbus. And then, it, of course, because everything is connected somehow, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the episode of all the original stories that created these like classic fairy tale stories we hear about. Yes. So, of course, the episode of My Favorite Murder we're listening to is one that they're doing the original situation that actually caused the story of Hansel and Gretel. Oh, okay. And it is extremely depressing. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And it's based off of the 1315 famine over in Europe. Oh. Um, And it was like this terrible year of this famine that started with the crops, everything else was gone. And of course, it was back in the Middle Ages when it was like, there was a landowner who owned everything. And then there was peasants and serfs that, that worked on the land for whatever to create the food and, and stuff. But things were so bad that there was like, there was like a, a rainy summer and then a cold fall and winter, but it led to no food, no anything. People were like walking from town to town trying, but no, cause communication was low back then. So like no one knew that the family was actually like continental and not just like in your little village. And oh. so they would walk to the next town and then they would die because there was no resources there to help them. It was all malnourished. Um, I guess historians or uh, chronologist, chronological list, whatever. People who like research. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to use a nice fancy word that they used on the podcast. Um, oh, that's my speed though. Go on. And uh, they were saying, actually, this 1315 famine is probably what caused the Black Plague afterwards to oh. be so bad because it was there was so much malnourished around, dead bodies around, dead animals, uh, bad food, ba- uh, moldy grain, which also led to the same witch trial as well because they think the same type of mold that was happening in the grains that creates these hallucinations and bodies feel like you're burning on fire and like everything else. Also, was like what the Salem witch trials were happening here or there. So, that famine in 1315 kind of led to the Hansel Gretel story that had that comes later on, the Brothers Grimm story, um, because it got so bad that, of course, when there's no food around, you hear on all the whole like I will survive stories, like someone dies, you feed off of them. Yeah. Um, so there might be some cannibalism to survive. And it was got to the point that a lot of kids were orphaned, either from parents leading them out to the woods and leaving them, or their parents were dying from the famine, oh, or wow. something was happening. And so it kind of led to that storyline of we're hungry, we can't survive this, we can't sustain this family. So then this happens. Wow. Um, that makes so much sense. So yeah, it's actually Hansel and Gretel is based on a true story. True events in, in life. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. The things you learn on the podcast. Right? And I never thought that story of all stories was going to be like a based on facts fairy tale. Right? Right. right. Totally. Okay. Um, Sorry. No, that's – see, this – again, we we just kind of gauche on this is what we do. So I have a couple of stories. One is from Cassandra. She left a comment on YouTube. I was listening to your podcast the other day, and I have a tour story. Do you remember we asked for tour stories? My studio takes Act 2 of the Nutcracker on tour to local elementary schools. And at one school last year, we were standing on the school gym in our opening pose, ready for the waltz, the flowers, having already gone through everything except the coda. Right before the music started, however, the fire alarm went off. We were all very confused as we follow everyone out into the parking lot, taking off our ballet shoes not wearing ballet shoes outside, having been ingrained into our brains since we were four, right? And standing barefoot in our costumes outside in December. (laughs) Thankfully, it was a warm day and it was only a drill. But we then had to continue on with Waltz and Coda Coda after getting cold. It was a very memorable day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, good old fire drills. Have you ever had that happen? Oh yeah. We had a fire drill go off in the middle of a show once at City Ballet. I was Mars Pan. And I think... I think we ignored it because I think I think it was a false alarm. And so I just remember doing lead marzipan with the fire alarm going off. I think it was a school show. And them just yelling at me, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so we never – I think we ignored it, which I don't think you're supposed to do. But yeah. No. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the only fire alarm I know that I remember going off was, I think I was at PMB and it had to do with the haze or fog that was being used for the show. Ah. That off the alarm. So people knew it was false because it was like the first day or something. Yeah. So there's no like evacuation. For some reason, I actually, no, I think I evacuated maybe for West Side. I think I evacuated in West Side one time. Mm. I don't know why. For some reason, that just triggers in my head. Yeah. Because I'm assuming with pyrotechnics, like, and things that can cause issues. But for West Side, there was no pyros or anything. But I do know they shut things off when we just did Dracula because it was, um, it, things would go off. The smoke, yeah. I got another one from Alice. Hi, Katie and Sean. I thought I'd email you one of my mishaps, which happened in rehearsal. It was at a summer course, and I had to learn two potadas, one classical, one more contemporary, when I had never done potada before. Ah, Yes, know where you're going with this, Alice. This bearing in mind, I was the only dancer not at a ballet school and had just come back after lockdown, having barely touched my point shoes. I literally had forgotten how to do a pirouette. I had a wonderful partner, but was extremely confused when I found out they were going were not going to give us any tips for starting out potato, so I was thrown completely in the deep end. I made classic mistakes, like when my partner asked to feel my weight, I had no idea what he meant. I completely let go of my placement. The most iconic moment was on the first day when I had just met my partner and I had to go up to a shoulder sit. Um, I didn't know where to put my legs, and when he brought me out of the lift, I managed to kick him in the groin. I have never been more embarrassed because obviously we still had four days of dancing together after the incident. I have since watched Chris Potter to tips and know what I have should know what I should have done at the time. Love the podcast and hope you two are doing well. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, has anybody ever hit you, Sean? Did I ever hit you? I think I did at one point. Did you punch me once? I think so. Probably. Something. <laughs> I mean, it, it happened. Caitlin got me the other day. Oh, so really? in Le- yeah, in Leland's new ballet, me, Caitlin, and Miguel do a trio, and we were doing something, and she just did a tap with mm-hmm. her like knee or her foot or something, and ugh, it hurt. It was right. Mm. A tap is worse than a full hit, I think. Because oh, just really? Like, I don't know. It was just. It was enough. It's like when you hit your funny bone. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Or if you just nick it, it's just, mm. But I've been, I got, I've been punched. And then I have a scar now from Sophie. Oh. I got hit during Dracula. Um, you didn't tell us this did story. Nope. Oh, uh, during, dra- during dress rehearsal of Dracula, we were in the last section called like Red Cape Tango. And for the men... In second act, once we start second act, we just go straight through the whole act and it, it's the worst. So by the end of Red Cape Tango at this section, we're tired. The three men are tired, um, mm. like John, Seward, and Arthur, whatever. Um, and so the Dracula brides at one point, Red Cape Tango, when we're all dancing and flailing, they come out and they circle us. We do a little thing with them. And then a new lift was added to... Uh, have one guy press the girl, another two men kind of just like support and hold the leg or whatever as as we run off. And of course, little Sophie, oh, little innocent, sweet, small Sophie is running. And for some, and for some reason, because we're in a tri- triangle, we have to, the men swap spots. We, I, we weren't, it was our fault. We weren't fast enough, I guess. Sophie like goes for it. Cause we kept on being told to go more, go more, go for the whole ballet. He just wanted more intensity. Mm-hmm. She goes, an arm flails, and then all of a sudden, I know her sharp little elbow hits me really hard in the face, like right above, like in my forehead. And I just feel a hit. Like I saw stars to the point that when we came off stage, I sat down because I thought I was going to go down, like faint. Wow. Yeah. And I was sitting there. I'm like, oh, and everyone's, everyone's okay. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. So it's like, are you cool? I'm like, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden I hear Jessica, who's doing Lucy. She goes, Sean, you're bleeding a lot. I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? I guess because it's that face shot that I, Dexter, I'm in the middle of the store. Don't talk back. Um, I, it's that face shot. So like, like your eyes and your forehead and your chin. Yeah. Just split open easily. So I had, a, I was like dripping blood. For my next, I like patted it, did the whole like spit trick to stop it, and then went on for my next entrance. Just didn't flail as much. 
Okay. And I kept on patting my head like, no one can see this, but I kept on patting my head with the back of my hand so the blood wouldn't get on my costume or on anyone else. Dexter. It's not dinner time. It's too early. You have 20 more minutes. He didn't like that sentence. <laughs> His eyes got real big. Um, but yeah, so now I have a scar. Oh, Sean. It might fade a little. It's like a little one. It might fade a little bit, but yeah, I got hit pretty hard. Oh. But then during one of the shows, during the bride scene, when, I, when I'm when i in the in Dracula's castle, mm-hmm. I did hit uh, Sophie in the nose. Oh. With my hand. So it was like a fair trade. Yeah, fair it was a fair trade. trade. Yeah. Um, I hit Tyler Angle in the nose, our very, 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 very first show of Romeo and Juliet, like ever, like age 17, Balcony Potida, whacked him in the face with the elbow to the point where he was bleeding. It got on my dress. Really bad. And then Sean Swazi, when we were doing full length, I don't know if I've ever told this story. I don't know if I've told this story. He forgot to take off his sword belt or something for the last crypt scene. And the sword belt had these like full metal hooks or something. I, can't, I don't know what yeah. it was. But he had on a belt. And we go to do the last pot of the where you're dead. You can't help. And I go up for a lift and I graze his waist. And I remember thinking my leg had gotten cut off. I was like, surely I am bleeding. Surely I like, I just, the graze, the deep gash. I had a bruise for months, big, long. And you know, you're in the last, last scene. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to like finish feeling because it just, it hurts so bad. And I had this big old gash. I didn't bleed this big old bruise gash on my thigh from his belt. So every other show after that, I remember like purposely, even though I was dead, swinging wide so I wouldn't like <laughs> raise his waist because it was, I li- I think I still have a slight scar from it. Literally a gash in my thigh from the sore belt. We are a rough and tumble industry that people don't realize. Yeah. Okay, so we have another couple of stories from Catherine. Sleeping Beauty, when I was 16, I was one of Carabas's creatures in the prologue, and our costumes were basically bat monkeys. As we were getting ready to leave the stage, the creatures huddle behind Carabas and begin to cut the corner and run away. I take two steps, and the next thing I know, I'm staring at the floor. I wiped out right in front of the fairies. No idea how it happened, but I immediately got up and ran as fast as I could off stage. Uh, no one really cared as I played it off like I was frantic. I was laughing so hard when I got off stage. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, and then the party – she has another one. Say again. I was like falling oh, yeah. all the time. More falling. Final stories from Nutcracker. The party scene was happening and some of my friends and I were in the dressing room getting ready. We could hear the music and it was the part where the tree lights up. Suddenly we hear a loud beeping and we all became quiet. One of my friends said, please tell me that's someone's phone. Next thing we know, a mom comes in running and shouting everyone outside. I quickly slid into my boots and went outside in my tights and leotard. The entire cast and audience was escorted outside on a rainy, cloudy afternoon in late November. I remember many of the dancers who were on stage being carried to cars so their point shoes wouldn't get wet and everyone everyone huddling together to stay warm. After a few minutes, we were given okay to head back in. Turns out it was a burnt cookie in the auditorium kitchen, and we were cleared to continue <laughs> the show. Oh, my gosh, Catherine. That's amazing. So another, another fire alarm story. Oh, that's good. I love that it was a cookie, a burnt <laughs> cookie. <laughs> and they had to carry people out. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway. Well, you can't get those expensive tippy-toe shoes. What? They'll no, melt. They will melt. They're worth too much. They're worth too much. Literally, point shoes are paper mache, if anybody didn't know that. Paper mache with satin is essentially what they are. Um, which, you know, you think about it, it's kind of nuts. But good stories, nice. you guys. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. I feel like we need to keep our themes going, though. What else, what other theme do we need for a story, Sean? I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of burnt out of Nutcracker situations yeah. already. I would love some real-life stories here. Hey, since I was cleaning the pool today and I found out you have a pool, let's hear uh, some pool mishap stories. or what? Oh, speaking of pool stories, here. What have people found in their pool filters? There you because go. Guess <laughs> Guess what we were told we might find when we clean out our pool filter? Uh-oh. We were we were warned when you take your little skimmer basket out not to use your hand 
because God knows what goes in, gets in there. And then he listed off everything most recently that they have been called and they have found. He's like, of course, like dead frogs, live frogs, so-and-so, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, I assume that probably a dead mouse or a rat after the winter. I've seen that before in the pool filter. And then I keep on thinking what else. And he's like, yeah. And then, you know, like a turtle or two. And I was like, well, we're in the suburbs or fake suburbs. I don't think so. He's like, or a snapping turtle. <laughs> in like, a pool? <laughs> he literally said he got one out of the filter the other day. A snapping turtle. From our area. In Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I mean, we have, there are snapping turtles here, yes. But like, I'm not too close to the pond or river or anything. But like, mm-hmm. I guess they do travel. But who who knows? He's like, yeah, you just take like a hook and, and take out the basket. Or I was like, that's, I was like, as long as it's not a snake. He goes, I didn't want to say a snake because people don't really like them. But that is highly likely. And I was like, Mm. Mm. Yeah, no. Yeah, don't. Yeah. So tell us your pool stories. <laughs> Branching out. So we now have a very long, looks like a meat hook that I use <laughs> for the uh, uh, skimmer basket because okay. it's fall. And so all the leaves are like, it's so full. I can't look into it before. I'm not going to now put my hand in mm-hmm. after he said a snapping turtle, like they can break bones mm. or mm. a snake. Yeah. Ugh. No, or a dead mouse floating in there, possibly. So I use a little hook. That's that's smart. There you go. I'm sure you guys will find stuff in yours in California. Oh. You will, dead lizards, snakes, whatever. Because uh, Caitlin said in Florida, she goes, yeah, we got a lot of lizards and snakes in ours. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We. That's why, again, we'll be getting a pool guy. I'm not doing this myself. I'm not much of a nature girl, if anybody didn't know. <laughs> like, it's not... Mm-mm. I love, you know, indoors, indoors. So, you know, I'll open a window, California, open our French doors. We have French doors in our house, but I'm not much of a nature girl. So I'm just going to not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Until the bird flies into your French doors right. when they're open and you have one in your house and that's right. Then you'll be nature inside. Right. So how are, um, how's Nutcracker going? It seems to be going pretty well. We're putting it together pretty fast. I don't know, Nutcracker. For me, at this point now in my life, Nutcracker is whatevs. Yeah, because I you do it every year. I don't like this version. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can say that or not. <laughs> I used to okay. I used to love, love Nutcracker, yeah. and I like like waited for it to come around. As as a company member, loved it when I was doing the Ken Stoll version because I loved the smell of the prop, like the the props they brought in the studio, the floor they would have to put down in the studio so we could rehearse on the actual floor because it was painted and stuff for spots. And the choreography and the parts and like, I just loved dancing. It's like one of those ballets I really liked dancing. Mm-hmm. So when you swap to a version that's not as favorable to you. Like we talked about last week? Yeah, it just happens. Um, or just whatever. And just, it's, it's going. So to me, it's, I'm getting it done. Yeah. I don't have the same, maybe because that's the version I did since I, the very first version I ever did. And I did it from seven to 25. Right. That's very true. So t- that was like nostalgia and fun and lovely. And the, I, so much connection there. Yeah. Yeah. And now when you do like a non version, you're not, like I have no connection other than this is, a, this is what I have to do for my job. Mm. So it's happening. It's yeah. going well. It's just happening. Yeah. Ours is going well too. I mean, again, my my sugar plum aside, um, we had our full battle scene with even our baby mice this weekend. That's the baby mice are so stinking cute. They're four. They're literally age four and five. And they're just it's so I don't know. It's so cute. <laughs> and our our we have two boys. They wore their we have lots of boys, but the two boys doing Nutcracker prints wore their heads this weekend so the baby mice could see oh that boy. you know there's someone under the head so they do the rehearsal they take the head off they talk to the bit so it's not like a shock um because I think that can be scary for little ones like all of a sudden you see this Nutcracker with this humongous Nutcracker head and so they can see that oh there's a person under there you know um yeah. 
cannon too. We had our big cannon in there so they're not freaked out. You know, so it's a lot of like uh, the battle scene, Chris's father's Nutcracker's battle scene is brilliant. It's a lot of moving parts. Baby mice, big mice, little soldiers, big soldiers. Like it's a lot. Um, but it's going pretty well. How much of the ballet have you guys got taught so far? We pretty much finished it yesterday. We just have to do opening of act two. But it's not a lot. Sugar Plum does a lot, but it's not it's not a lot. We're kind of running it now. So we're way ahead of schedule. We're pretty efficient. Oh, nice. Yeah. How's it and it's looking like it's good? Yeah, the kids are awesome. They have they have a lot of switching parts, costume changes. Like uh, you're 18 different things in the same show. And then, you know, now this year, the way it was done, it just so happens that they're going to get in that situation and have to deal with like, all right, you're Walt's finale, but not Walt's. Like, right, we need you to step in for Walt's finale because your alternate's doing Merleton and then this Merleton's doing this. And, you know, it's like all these. So they're all just sort of like, what? So they're going to have to, it'll be good, like training for them. To be like, right, tonight you're doing this spot in the waltz finale and you're not in the actual dance, but you have to, you know, so it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. How many casts are you guys doing? Two? Um, It alternates between roles, but in act two, we have five casts of everything. Oh, wow. So everybody gets three shows. Okay. Nice. So yeah, act, act one's a little bit different. We have three snow queens. Um, So they each get five shows, you know, so, but act two, we tried to do five casts. So everybody gets three. That's nice that you have enough people that you can fulfill that many casts, though, or that you. Feel oh, it's like a lot. Mm-hmm. You want, or that you that you want to have that many casts because you have so many people you can give opportunities to. Yeah, and it's good because That's then, nice. you know, they help each other, they push each other. I think it's real important to learn early on, especially if you want to be a professional, that you're not going to have a part all to yourself. You know, I think you have yeah. to learn how to share. I think a lot of dancers are shocked by that when they get in a company. That's like, oh yeah, you're not just going to be the only Snow Queen. There's going to be five, you know, like we had 15 sugar plums in New York City Ballet. And so, oh, you yeah, just we kind had of, yeah. six, uh, 14 or 11 my year I left PB, like mm-hmm. Prince yep. and Clara's couples, like tons. Yeah. And at City Ballet, our casting was always funky because, like, most companies do cast A, cast B, cast C, whatever. We had like 15 sugar plums, we had eight dew drops, we had 10, you know, Merlin or whatever. So it was never the same cast twice. So I don't know how they figured that out, but like most people like a, a Ballet West situation, there be cast A and cast A will always be the same. Cast B will always be the same. Oh, it's a cast A night. Oh, it's a cast B night. And for example, like Chris would do Russian for two casts. So he was Russian for B and C or whatever, but it was always the same cast. City Ballet was mishmash. See, I was at at P&B when it was, you know, Prince Sinclair, there was 11 couples and then there were six of us only for like commedia and then there were uh nine flores like dewdrops or whatever and mm-hmm. and it was mixed and so but in return though when you go through the casting it is actually thought out as in i want this couple for these nights i want this younger couple for their first show to be a matinee instead like yep so even with ken and francia and then with peter it was thought about in casting as in these are so it was always it was always like our artistic director picks the casting they want for whatever, these nights, these matinees, whatever, the principals and soloists, and then the ballet masters fill in the rest with right. who's available after that principal is done. And then it's like, okay, yeah. here it's like what you, you were saying, which is weird to me. And I think yeah. not thoughtful at all. Agreed. And I don't like it. Agreed. I don't yep. like it at all because it ends up being then because you go like one, two, three, four, like we have four here, four casts here for Nutcracker. It's and it's like column one, column two, column three, column four. So it's like okay, column one is opening night, column two is Saturday matinee, column three Saturday night. Then it's Sunday mat is column one, four, and then Sunday night. So it's not thoughtful. So it's like sometimes a debut will be on Saturday night. Yeah, and then the senior girl, the senior couple that's before them, second cast technically is Saturday matinee. Yeah, very weird. When I'm like that, it, it and it makes it so you can't, you just get locked in. I think, and it's mm-hmm. it's, and then it's like if someone gets injured or, or hurt, it screws up. Ev- it just it makes a worse trickle down effect than just going as as you want. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's how we did it. That that's why it's weird to me too. Like at City Ballet, the the senior principals always got the Saturday nights, the opening nights, and then yeah. you would debut in a matinee. You always debuted Sugar Plum in a matinee. Um, usually, it was that family family series family day or something. I can't remember what it was called. Um, it was like a special afternoon event, and that was the day. I remember when I debuted Sugar Plum, the entire cast was new. New Dewdrop, New Spanish, New China. It was like, this is the test run mm-hmm. cast. Um, and it would be the matinee. And then, yeah, if somebody went out, you only had to replace that one person. You didn't have to figure out the whole rest of the cast. Um, and I remember coming in every day and there would always be a notice on the board of like, if one of the core people got put in for a lead, then who was going to replace? Like, there was always like a list of like, okay, so-and-so replaces Morgan and Morgan replaces so-and-so and, you know, yep. and it got to be this weird puzzle, which is why I, I think I told the story of one day there was a casting mix-up mix up with Soldier and no one showed up. And so Robbie LaFosse did the solo by himself with Strasselmeyer, but you know, like it was, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I like that method. It just, to me, makes it seem more thoughtful because yeah. then it's, it's actually planned it's thought about out of like, it's respect to the dancers, I feel. Respect to, am I debuting on a Saturday night? Ugh, is that disrespect? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, that's a lot of pressure. Or is it, it's my matinee, I feel better about it. The senior dancer that's also doing this role is doing the Saturday night and the Friday night ones, or th- you know, so I'm not like looked down upon. There's no, it, I just think it's thoughtful. And then also like, I mean, it was really, it kind of was bad, but it was also made sense. Like I would do the same thing as an AD. Like if you knew the critic was coming, you mm-hmm. stock up that show with who you want to be reviewed. Yeah. I remember for years and years and years and years, and it still might be the same thing. Megan Fairchild was always opening night Sugar Plum. Megan and Joaquin did it for years. Um, I think Maria was before her, but it was like opening night, opening weekend is usually all three of the same cast. And mm-hmm. it was Megan for years. It was Maria for years. Sarah Mearns is always opening Dewdrop. Um, or Bowder is always opening Dewdrop. Something like that. So it's like, and then I also think the principals close. Like senior principals close. Mm-hmm. Senior principals open, senior principals close. And then somewhere in the middle and like when you're in the trenches of four weeks in, <laughs> that's when all the new people debut. But the senior yeah. principals and the ballerinas all do opening and closing. Yeah. So. No, I just, I like that method. and. When I am an AD somewhere, mm-hmm. whenever that happens, whoever wants to hire me, please let me know so I can send my application. Um, I'm gonna. I, I like that casting better. I. It also makes it so it's like to n- now at this point. Let's say in rehearsal, someone's out sick for the day. Mm-hmm. Well, that messed up the whole call. No, just call out the names for who you want to run that rehearsal. Like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and. If someone's out there, second cast or third cast steps up to it and just does it with a different cast, it's no big deal. Just mix and match. That's how we're doing it here, actually. Right? And it should be. Because I think the problem is it's like when people get into like, well, this cast does it this way, this cast. There's a lot of differences here or there. Like, yes, you can have a difference in your personal by yourself moments, but you should always be able to drop in another cast to that same part and it shouldn't change anything. Or right. throw people off because it shouldn't throw people off, and like no one should be doing something different. It'll be the same choreographies, same steps, same counts. Right. And I remember it was fun, like I because we did so many shows. Half the time I'd show up at Sugar Plum and be like, "Oh, you're my Dewdrop!" Like it's like, "Oh, yay!" I remember doing like having a different Dewdrop like every single show, and it was just like, mm-hmm. "Oh, yay!" You know, it wasn't the same every time. It's nice to mix up. I like doing like like I do Drossmeyer. Well, maybe I want to do Drossmeyer. It'd be nice to do Drossmeyer with different Prince and Clara sometimes as mm-hmm. well. Or like when I do Prince and Clara to have a different Sugar Plum and Cavalier to interact with and a different Drossmeyer. Or it, it's nice to mix up because I just think it adds to keeping it not so stale when you do yes. something long term as well. Oh, for sure. Keeps it interesting for the performers on stage, especially Nutcracker when it's such a big run. Like how many shows mm-hmm. do you guys do? We surprisingly don't do that many. We do... 22 i think okay which is like not nothing in that's my nothing. mind Com- yeah compared to when i used to do 45 or 42 right back at pnb right um yeah that's the normal 40 it's somewhere between 40 and 50 are what a lot of companies do and it's just endless <laughs> yeah. yeah endless 
if we didn't have to share the Ohio with the symphony for December, I'm sure we would open Nutcracker even a week earlier mm-hmm. and do more. Mm-hmm. But we just, the symphony uses the Ohio for their holiday for that first weekend of December usually. Yeah. Um, so it's symphony and then us. So it's only like three weeks. Not bad. That's not bad at all. I always hated opening the day after Thanksgiving because inevitably, like, I think I was lead marzipan two years opening night. And it was just like, <laughs> like day after Thanksgiving, you're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Mars Pan yeah. the hardest one. There was one year where there were so many people out for 48 shows. There were four of us alternating Mars Pan. I have never done that. I, that's part I have done probably more than anything in my life. I if I never have to do that again, I will be eternally grateful. <laughs> no, I remember we used to when I was a kid at PNB would open beginning of December. Yeah. Like the first weekend. And then all of a sudden the swap happened to the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was like, it was shocking to us. We're like, what? And we were all kids and everyone's like, but our families are like, and like being with our families and vacations, or we go out of town that weekend for that three day weekend. And then they're like, well, you're not going to be a nutcracker. That's fine. Like this is a privilege, not a right. Yeah. And then it became the day after Thanksgiving, Friday night, opening night. Yep. Have fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember like too, doing, we would close the 30th, January 30th. I think they go past New Year's now, but there was one year we closed the 30th and on New Year's or something, we had a rehearsal until like 10 PM because we were opening Capella because it used to be City Ballet did up until New Year's. And then the following week, winter, the eight week winter season started. So it was just brutal. So we went New Year's Eve till 10 PM doing Capella and I had to run, I was a friend and there was no double casting for friends. So we had to do friends three times in like, I just remember being like, my feet are falling off. We just did eight weeks in our, or six weeks in our cracker into an eight week season. It's 10 PM on New Year's Eve. I'm doing friends for the third time. Someone just like, I'm done. (laughs) Just I'm done. So yeah. It's a rough, it's a rough go. Another good episode, Sean. Next week, we're going to have a guest. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's the plan. That's the plan. What's supposed to be this week, but, you know, life, as we all have realized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you're the mom of a little kid and the wife and both the parental units work at the ballet company, so they have all week, things happen and schedules come, family comes first. Family should always come first. Always. Always, um, always. Yeah, so she... She has to uh, take care of her this week. But yeah, hopefully next week we'll have a, we'll have a guest. Yay. I mean, you can hear our stories other than ours. <laughs> right? I feel like, like oh. you and me at this point, like our stories are just old hat. Oh, there's Chris. Hi. <laughs> um, are just sort of like, all right, we've told the same story. So now we're going to start bringing on guests because actually the episode with Chris was very popular. So, yeah. To hear other people's I just, stories. Wave. I don't even say hello because I know you have headphones and he can't even hear. So I just waved to see if he sees the screen. That's what he did. Too. Just, <laughs> just waved. <laughs> just, just a silent wave. Like, hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening, you guys. We're happy to be back regularly, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. See you next time.